This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, all right, my friends, it's time. Oh, yeah, it's time again for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. It is I, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher Die and Combat, and with me as always is. Oh, yeah! Ian Wadley from New Orleans. And uh, Ian, no news this week. Nope, 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 nope. We're going to go right into the review. Ian, why don't you tell us who is with us this week? Oh, my God. Today is very special. We have the Golden Throat. We have the fifth, I should say, the sixth member of Ugly Kid Joe, the (laughs) co-host of the great Decibel Geek Podcast, the one and only Aaron Camaro is with us today. Fuck yeah! Oh wait, can we swear on this show? No, no, you can't. (laughs) I know we can, man. I'm so happy to be here. You guys fucking rock, man. Dr. Fuck, it's finally (laughs) awesome to meet you, baby. This is great. Just so everybody knows, when when he says fuck, he he spells it F-U-K-K. Then it's okay. (laughs) It's okay what? to say fuck as long as you pronounce it F-U-K-K. You think I did. I yeah. think I did. I know yeah, I got did. that strong northern accent, but, you know, I've got a lot of radio training. I really, I've been practicing all week to, to pronounce it with two Ks, and I think I nailed it. Have you also been practicing all week not to talk like a slack-jaw hillbilly? Because you're, <laughs> you're from Tennessee, and you sound nothing like a redneck. No, he lives in Tennessee. Well, yeah, no, I'm not from Tennessee. Yeah, you're uh. right. I, I live in Tennessee, man, that, so I'm that from explains Wisconsin, it. but, but I, I got ran through the radio training, so I don't I speak TV talk, you know? That's just the way it, it turned out for me. Is your neighbor's... It's a, is it's your, a, it's a curse. It's a curse. Is your neighbor's wife also his sister? <laughs> I don't know. I try, I try not to speak to my neighbors as much as possible. I just kind of stick to my own, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. As long as it... As long as they don't question all the crazy people walking through the yard coming back to the Decibel Geek studio, I leave them alone, too. Well, enough about Billy Hardaway. (laughs) (laughs) And his his sister. Uh, No, man, Aaron, uh, we've we've tried to do this for a long time, and and just schedules didn't work out. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, A little backstory. When me and Ralph were first starting this podcast, Ralph already knew about Podkist and the great Kid Mills. And that I, was his... I also knew about Decibel Geek, too. Right. But, but I mean, like, your inspiration was uh, was Podkist. Yeah, that's and, what I discovered and, first. And when we first started talking about this, I didn't even know what a podcast was. And right. I, I You were in the same boat as me. Oh, yeah. So I went on YouTube, and I discovered uh, History Science Theater, but I watched on... YouTube, you know, it was a, a, a different experience, you know, because yeah. Uh, but that the first actual podcast I ever listened to was Decibel Geek, and I remember uh, I first heard Chris Senzak, and I was like, "Cool, you don't have to have a good voice to do this. I can do this." And what? then I heard then then I heard fucking Aaron, and I was like, "Oh fuck, dude, that's like the heavy metal Shadow Stevens. He's nice. he's got that voice." I was like, "Oh." Fuck, we got work to do. I know you guys have slagged me and called me a strip club DJ, you know, but I'll let you in on a little secret. I have made money in my younger times as a strip club DJ. The oh. most rock and roll one of all fucking time, but yeah, most definitely. 
Nice. I was good at that shit. <laughs> it's not the worst job I've ever had. I'll tell you that. Awesome. Well, man, we're honored to have you. It's about time. Because uh, we, we had, we've had your Polak buddy on here way too much. Yeah, <laughs> Jerry Scissors. He's awesome. I love it when Chris comes on the show. I oh, that's right, Chris. Chris, Sizz Chris uh, Sizzler. I know. It's tough, man. Can you imagine how long it took me to fucking learn how to spell it on Facebook? Oh, God. It was like three years into it, but I finally broke down and got the Polish dictionary and taught myself how to spell Sinzak. You know, when I see his last name, I think of that game Scrabble. It's, it's, too, many, it's too many consonants in a row. <laughs> Sinzak's totally a word, you fucker. I get 10 points off that. Look how long it is. Uh, but that's what Ian's mom said about Chris Sinzak as well. Oh, now, now, now I'm jealous. Nice. <laughs> right off the bat, I'm ready for you fuckers. Let's have some fun. Today. All right. Well, uh, okay. So uh, I'll talk about when I discovered uh, Iron Fist, and then I'll take it to you guys. I discovered uh, Motorhead, as I've said a gazillion times on this episode. I saw their very first uh, show in America opening for uh, Heart and Blue Oyster Cult and then um, it took me a long time to actually find an album when I finally did it was uh, No Sleep to Hammersmith and then the second one I bought was Another Perfect Day and then this one and uh, Iron Fist is one of those albums that man if I never heard Overkill it'd be my favorite it'd be my favorite Motorhead album but, yeah, I mean, there's a couple synths that I probably put even, but it is a solid album, begin to end. Uh, band hates it. Um, I don't understand why. I think that they had a problem with the production. But I think it's, I, I don't mind the production. I don't mind the, the songs. I think it's solid album, and it's uh, as good as everything that came before it, except maybe I give a little nudge to Overkill over it. And uh, that's all I got to say about Iron Fist. Um, Aaron, tell us uh, how you discovered Motorhead and this album. Man, this this kind of I can tell you guys a story. I tell this story to my son all the time, you know, because kids nowadays, I got a 16-year-old son, and he, he grows up in a different time, you know, and it's hard for me to understand sometimes the, some of the shit he's going through. But when I was his age, man, I would do whatever I could around the house just to earn a few bucks because... You know, my Uncle Bruce had this massive record collection, and he was done with it. You know, he was into cassette tapes. You know, cassette tapes, the wave of the future. It's all going to be cassette someday. Uh -huh. But what he would do was one day he brought me over his entire Kiss collection. And he's like, happy birthday or whatever it was, Christmas. I don't remember. All I remember is it, was, it changed my fucking life, you know, getting the, the mass collection of Kiss. And after that... He would sell me his albums for a dollar a piece. Now, back in, you know, the late 80s when you're 13, 16 years old and I'm, you know, stacking firewood and piling it and doing whatever I can to earn just enough money, I'd get I'd get $5 a week allowance, but I'd have to work my ass off for it, you know? And I would take that at, on Friday, I'd get my $5, I'd beg my dad for a ride over to Uncle Bruce's house and I'd pick out five albums. And I remember one time I went over there, you know, and I'd already cleared out all any other Kiss-related stuff that was in there. And I got all the Ozzy Osbourne, and I got all the Sabbath that my dad didn't already have. And it came down to it, and I'm looking at stuff, and he says, hey, 
you should probably buy these two. And it was Iron Fist, and it was another perfect day. And I said, okay, you know, so I gave him my two bucks, and he gave me the albums, and I took them home. And Iron Fist was my very first, because it was the one I put on first, just happened to be that way. But it was my first experience with Motorhead, and I was hooked from the very fucking start, you know. And they, they do, they bitch about the production on this, and they're right to, because the production is really, really bad on it, you know. And I've got the LP sitting right here in front of me, and it's the same LP I bought from my Uncle Bruce way back when, you know. And this album had been out quite a while by the time I got it. But, man, as an introduction to Motorhead, you can't go wrong with that one because then you can go, you know, you can experience Ace of Spades after that and the, the live albums and, you know, everything that's come out through the years. And it was from that that I became a lifelong Motorhead fan, you know, and that's why it broke my heart so bad when we lost Lemmy. But today we're celebrating a fucking awesome album. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Ian? Ian? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I, I love this album. This was the last uh, Motorhead album of the classic era that I got. And uh, I just want to say, Aaron, that's a great story because we tried to do this episode once before with your with your co-host. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, and his was like, I went in this leather bar and I got an iron fist. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Your ears was much more entertaining. He's got, yeah, he's got some crazy fucking stories, that guy. But, uh, uh, when you first meet him, but when you get to know him a little bit, then the craziness all comes out. Yeah, everybody, yeah. Everybody thinks I'm the crazy one on the Decibel Geek podcast. You have no idea. <laughs> when I first met him, I was going to give him five, and, and he, he was expecting totally something different than what I was going to give him. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I do love this album. Um, like I said, it was the last one of the classic lineup that I picked up, and uh, man, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I'd always heard how they bitched, and I will say, like you, the production, to me, it's a very uh, a dry production. Very, very sterile, but I still like, I feel though like it suits it, you know, because it's all I've ever known, and the songs, I, I love them so much, it doesn't bother me. It's much like the first Iron Maiden album. You know, it's like, yeah, technically it doesn't sound great, but it fits the music. And that's how I feel about this. But uh, I still hold this in very high esteem. It would probably be my least favorite out of the classic lineup, but I, but that's that's not saying I hate it. I mean, I still love it. Right. Again, it's, it, it's like the worst blowjob you came to. You still came, didn't you? Yes, I did. And, and uh, I, I come every time I hear Iron Fist. Much like Chris Sinzak comes every time he gets an Iron Fist. Ouch. <laughs> I don't know nothing about any of that. <laughs> come on. I, I do agree with you with a lot about what you say about this album, you know. And like I said, being that my ears were virgin when I first heard this, you know, as far as Motorhead goes, it was amazing. And this was all I had growing up, and I had no real good, I guess, vision of what production was at that age to even really care it was all about the songs and the songs on this album are fucking great and they're strong and the well you know i'm sure we'll get into it when we start looking at the tracks but the production really does hurt on this in retrospect you know if you look at it that way but at the time can't beat it awesome you know i have a really i i've discussed this before the end because i have a really hard time knowing what a bad production is i mean there's some that i can tell like uh Blizzard of Oz is the only one I can like. That's the one I mainly point at going, 
Man, compared to Diary of a Man Man, Diary of a Man Man sounds so clear and vibrant where Blizzard sounds so, I don't know, like kind of like flat. Still a great right. album, but everything else, man, I've, I've heard so much about, like Born Again from Black Sabbath. Oh, that sounds like shit. And yeah, I'm like, Chris is always bitching about that. I love that album, but that's the thing. Even if you look at the first couple of Kiss albums, you if the songs are so good that you can look past the shitty production, and that's saying something about them songs, and that definitely applies to Iron Fist. Yeah, and I can, and that's another one I can tell. It's hotter than hell. Like, to me, Dress the Code, the first one sounds fine, but compare those songs to the live version, yeah, I prefer the live version. But it's really, I, I have, like, this hard time telling what's a good production and what's a bad production. People, oh, this is buried in the mix. I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, I don't know. It's like, I, but I guess it's a blessing for me to be this way because it doesn't really taint a lot of albums for me. Like, right. like, like uh, Iron Fist. I can't tell. It's, I mean, you play this back-to-back with Ace of Spades and I can't tell a difference as far as, you know, the production-wise. Well, see, I, I would compare this with Ace of Spades kind of because Ace of Spades is kind of bare bones, but not as bare bones as this, but where I think Bomber and Overkill have a much more lush production. But but there's a story that goes along with that because they had the producer that they had for Ace of Spades was in place. He was supposed to come back because this was the follow up to Ace of Spades, which which in their situation, you know, and a lot of bands have found themselves in this spot. They're kind of fucked because it's the follow up to Ace of Spades, which came out in uh, fuck 80. Yeah, Yeah. 80. Yeah. But but more importantly, though, it's a follow up to. The live album that was a number one. Yeah. Right, because Ace of Spades goes to number four in the UK, and then they come out with No Sleep Till Hammersmith, the live album, which is killer, one of the greatest live albums ever, and that goes to number one. So now they're back in to follow all that up, and they end up getting into some sort of dispute with the producer, and they, they let him go, and then it falls to Fast Eddie Clark, and they're like, hey, man, you've got to produce this album. He's like, man, I'm playing guitar. So he ends up producing it, and then, like you say, everybody bitches about it in retrospect, but at the time, they were all cool with it, but it was an experiment that, you know, and and we'll talk about this as we go into the tracks, but Eddie Clark kind of produces himself out of this album a little bit, where his guitar should be way more up front than what it is. But, again, it's all about the songs, and the songs are good. Crystal meth is a hell of a drug. (laughs) All right. Uh, uh, Who wants to take track one? Well, Aaron, you are our guest. Why don't you talk about the title track, Iron Fist? Well, I mean, it's an awesome way to start off the album. Title track tells you what the whole thing is going to pretty much be about. It's heavy metal. It's it's fighting music to me. Like, if I'm going to get in a fist fight, this ain't a bad song to have in my head right before it goes down. It, it's just, it's a great album opener. And it, I always hear the opener of this, Iron Fist, the tune, the, the song itself, and it it makes me think, these guys were writing wrestling theme songs way before they ever met Triple H. Because this would be a great one. It's a, it's just a good fighting song. It's a great way to kick it all off. Yeah, uh, I would say it's my favorite track on the album. Uh, when we did a Motorhead tribute like two months ago or something, something like that, I insisted we open the show with this. Right on. And... Um, Oh my God! Yeah, it's it's uh, it's total Motorhead from beginning to end. Starts off 
with Lemmy's crazy bass, like Ace of Spades and stuff, but shit, I prefer this to Ace of Spades. I guess because of the burnout factor, but this is definitely in my top five of best Motorhead songs ever. Um, it just got it all. If you, you know, if I want to say to somebody, you want to hear Motorhead like encompass in one song, it would be Iron Fist, definitely Iron Fist, and um, I love the video too, the whole collage thing backstage, on stage, uh, you know, just uh, it's just a, a monster of a fucking song, and it's a great opener, and to me, standout track on the album, my favorite track on the album, Ian. Uh, it is my second favorite song on the album, but every time I hear this, you know, I have an association, and I remember going to this strip club in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and, and uh, 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 Chris was DJing, and when his mom came out, they were playing Iron Fist, and, uh, and I've always loved this fucking song. Uh, it was the only single off the album, made it to number 29 in the UK charts, didn't do shit over here. And while they were recording the album, they were trying to come up with, like, well, what are we going to call it? Or, you know, what's the title track going to be? And they got Iron Fist was the name of... Uh, they, they, did, they, they did a show while they were in litigation with their label, and they couldn't announce it as Motorhead. So they, they changed their name to Iron Fist and the Hordes of Hell. Nice. And they, they just shortened that, and they, you know, they said, hey, we're going to write a song called Iron Fist. And came up with this, and it is. I mean, this is a classic if there is one. I mean, like I said, it's my second favorite. But uh, man, I mean, could you imagine a, a Motorhead show where they don't play this? Because it embodies everything of that classic lineup. It is in this song, and it's absolutely a perfect way to open the album and set the mood. Well, funny enough, uh, I never seen them play this song actually. I've seen Motorhead seven times, and I've never seen him play anything off Iron Fist ever. Really? Yep. Wow. Damn. Yep. I yeah. saw him play this twice. Wow, you got lucky, man, because I'll tell you right now, the first time Ace of Spades, second time I saw him was opening for Slayer on the Rock and Roll uh, Tour, then uh, 1916 in a club, uh, the two, um, Ozfest, I think I was like maybe 97 or something, um... Two times on the boat, the Motorhead boat, and the last, the last show in the U.S. Like, which is funny because I saw the very first show in the U.S. and the very last show in the U.S. And all those shows I just mentioned, they didn't play this or any song off this album. Wow. Unfortunately. You're fucking awesome, dude. I'm glad <laughs> you got to see him that many times. Yeah, I know it's gonna break your heart. And I love Motorhead so much. I've never seen Motorhead. Damn, oh, that sucks, man. man. Oh, doesn't that fucking suck, man? That never. does suck. Oh, that, that's like that's my buddy, man. He loved Motorhead. Never got to see him live. So we were going to go one time. His wife's on vacation. And she, somehow she threw a fit. She goes, you're not going to see Motorhead without me. So she she put the Ixnay on the trip. And then, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm calling him. I'm like, really, dude? you? Because he's not the guy that you would consider pussy with. But she said no, and we didn't go because we were going to drive to Texas to see him. And uh, then we had tickets on the last tour. They canceled our show in Houston. It was going to be Motorhead and Slayer. So uh, luckily I got to see him three times, but but he never got to see him, man. That's a huge red flag right there for any any young men out there listening. <laughs> and she keeps you from seeing a band like Motorhead? Uh-uh, wrong girl. 
I agree with that. I dumped the bitch. <laughs> then she can go around and tell her girlfriends, my man left me for Lemmy. That's right. I'd be You're proud like, of that. You're like, bitch, what do you expect? <laughs> That's a valid reason. All right, Aaron, why don't you take the next song, which is Heart of Stone. Man, you know, there's some great songs on this album. Like I said, when I was a young man listening to this, none of it mattered. I just listened to the whole thing as one piece. But, you know, when you go back and listen to it, this was a song that, this, I don't know, it's kind of a weird Motorhead tune. It really is. But it's still great because everything Motorhead ever did was great. But as far as best songs on the album, I don't know. Heart of Stone's kind of kind of weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, like, leave me alone, get off the phone. I've got a heart of stone. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and it's unlike Lemmy, because he had a heart of gold. You know? I mean, I did meet him once, and, uh, well, technically twice, but the second time doesn't really count. It's just a little photo shoot. But um, he was, and, and what I've heard from people that knew him, he was a super nice guy. But this song is kind of like, fuck off. It's more of a fuck off, you asshole type song, because yeah. if you listen to the lyrics, it's kind of like a guy trying to fuck him over or somebody trying to fuck him over he's like leave me alone I got a heart of stone you're like I don't give a fuck about you and um, and a lot of a lot of Motorhead songs on this album are pretty much uh, uh, you know anti you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for like some like you can't like the song you can't grind me down don't let the right. bastards grind you down this is kind of like the same subject of this and there's a lot of songs Loser and stuff like that that we'll get into that is pretty much like um, let me you know tell an authority fuck you or somebody out there trying to keep you down fuck you and I think Heart of Stone is kind of like that I, I love this song it's a this blistering track yeah the first song against telemarketing <laughs> get off the phone yeah <laughs> I'm Lemmy I'm not paying that fucking bill get off the phone yeah I got a heart of stone. <laughs> I don't need that knife set. And a liver as well. <laughs> All right, Ian, what do you think of Heart of Stone? Uh, I, I love it. I think it's the perfect song to follow up Ace of Spades. I mean, it just keeps... I mean, Ace of Spades. Uh, Iron Fist. It just keeps the momentum going. And it's, uh, you know, just traditional Motorhead. I mean, if you're already a fan, these are the kind of hard, fast songs that you want. And it has the same... You know, lyrical content that you want. You know, the, that that us against the world and fuck you kind of thing. Uh, I, I love it, and, and you know, it's what you would consider an album track. I don't know if they played that uh, played the song that much. Or actually, I think they they might have played this on the tour. Uh, but, I uh, think they did. I have a box set called uh, Meltdown that I believe it's on their live version. Yeah, but I, I don't think it's it survived the tour. But, no, uh, no, no, no. It didn't oh, yeah, go yeah, after this. Yes, they, they did play this on the tour. But, uh, but yeah, this would be one like, man, if, if you saw them, you know, and they threw this out, you know, the hardcore fans would be, hell yeah, would know every fucking song. But then we go into the next track, which is I'm the Doctor. <laughs> now. Weird, yeah. There's... There's three songs on here that Lemmy talked about without identifying. Uh, but he said there was three songs that weren't even finished. You, you know, but we just like, ah, oh, fuck it, we gotta put out the album. You know, and he blamed it on, like, hey, we were really fucked up at the time. He, he says the same thing about the production. Like, we never should have let, you know, Fast Eddie do it. But, uh, 
he said he admitted we all agreed to it, you know, so I can't get be mad at anybody but myself. But there's three songs he said weren't even done, and I can't help but think this is one of them. It's my least favorite on the album. I and I don't hate it, but it's just I don't hate any song on this. But it's definitely my least favorite, and it does feel like it's not finished to me. What do you think, uh, Ralph? I love this fucking song. I covered it actually. Um, oh, cause, cause you're the doctor. Well, <laughs> well, I identify it because it's a song about a quack. It's someone who calls himself a doctor but never went to medical school. Uh, you know, it, it's totally me. So, yeah, and yeah. I, I, right co- there. yeah, exactly. If, I, I identify so much with this. Wrestler, if you were a professional wrestler, this would be your theme song. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, I love this song. I think I think the lyrics are awesome. Um, it's just, I, I love the way Lenny delivers it. I don't think this would be one of the songs that were fin- uh, was not finished. I think definitely, and it's probably my second favorite song on the album, wasn't, it sounds like one that's not finished. It's, well, I'll tell you when we get there, and I'll explain why I feel it's not finished. I mean, you can even tell it's not finished. But anyway, uh, I think I'm, a do- I'm the Doctor is, uh, is it's awesome. I think it's a great song. It's catchy. Uh, I love the just the, the the evil delivery of Lemmy on it, and uh, hopefully by the time I air this episode, uh, I'll have the finished product because it is being mixed and mastered. I mean, the thing is, it needs bass, and I believe today the bass is being done. So yeah, I should have a version of my version of this song. Probably I'll tack it on at the end of the show if I don't forget. But is I love the your, doctor. Is this for your solo album? No, this is actually for a compilation coming out called Houses of the Unholy, which has a bunch of songs that we're going to release the, uh, on the Doctor on it, and also Speed Freak from Hallow's Eve. It's going to be two two cover songs we're adding to this compilation. Uh, this guy in Tampa has asked me to be part of it, so I, I offered him, I said, hey, I got a bunch of songs, you know, if you want, I'll give you one of them. He goes, hey, would you give me two? I go, yeah, dude, but they're covers, you know, because these are songs that See, when I record covers, I never release them on my own. If anything, I'll give them away for free or I'll give them to somebody to put on a compilation because I don't want to get sued, you know? When it comes to, like, you know, shit I release, I never release anything that features uh, other uh, bands with the exception of the uh, Merciful Fate EP, but that was kind of like trying to raise money for for a vinyl to make that never happened. <laughs> but still, you know, I... I'm not one to, uh, you know, make money off uh, other people's music. So, uh, including that Merciful Fate one, because it was for something else. It wasn't for my pocket. So, um, yeah. And I think it came out amazing. I mean, wait till you hear it. It's, you know, it's the thrashy die version of On the Doctor. It's, it's, it's more thrashy. It's more fast and heavy. And uh, But I do sing it differently than my regular voice that you hear. It's like, I try to capture the... The Lemmy vibe, but of course I can't sing like Lemmy. But I think you'll be impressed. You might even like it more than Motorhead version. Who knows? But uh, oh, I dig it. What do you think that's, of uh? It's fucking bolt right there. That's no, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's better. I, I, I personally don't think it's better. But for somebody like Ian that that thinks this is not a bad song, but the worst on the album, he may like it more than Motorhead version. But maybe not. But yeah, I, I, I personally don't. No, I think the Motorhead version is better. It's the definitive version, man. 
Nobody can uh, nobody can better Motorhead at their own game. Well, well, what, uh, what why I'm interested in hearing it though is to me from everything I've heard you sing, and, and I, I love your work, Ralph. I really do. Thank you. Uh, but uh, on that uh, Merciful Fate EP, I think is your best singing that I've ever heard. Okay. And, and and it was you doing a different style, so that's that's why I'm interested. Oh, this one's and, even and, diff more different than than anything I've ever done. And plus, you know, because it's, you know, an album of covers, maybe, you know, uh, Ian and the Boozers could do a version of uh, Tender Years and get it on the soundtrack. Uh, All right, I'll get you in contact with this guy. You okay, gotta, bye. You, you got you to throw in a couple uh, satanic references so you can get on the Houses oh. of the Unholy. Oh, no problem. No problem. I, I didn't have to because, you know, I'm me. Yeah. All right, well, Aaron, what did you think of I'm the Doctor? I mean, it's different from your typical Motorhead, that's for sure. And like Ralph said, it's 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 catchy, it's hooky, it's even a little poppy, you know. There's some great soloing in it. I like it. I think it's a great song. I definitely don't think it's the worst song on the album. Is it your typical Motorhead song? Is this, if I was going to have somebody say, hey, check out Motorhead, is this the one I have them listen to? Nah. But it, I still think it's pretty cool. And if we're guessing on the three that are the unfinished i don't think i'm the doctor's one of them i think this is a, a complete song but trying to do something a little bit different i'm not sure but i think so maybe maybe at the end we'll all three give our guesses on which are the three mystery unfinished songs yeah, I, yeah. I, i'll say while we reviewed song because i don't know what the three are but one i'm almost positive has to be it but go uh ian why don't you take the next one loser no go to hell uh, go to hell. I love it. It, 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 it. It's Motorhead by the numbers, but I love this fucking song. And uh, I don't know. It's just like it fits in great with everything they've done. It doesn't stray a lot. It doesn't add anything really new, but it just holds the same standard. You know, it's just like it's another good Motorhead song. I love Go to Hell. You know, this is, you know, definitely an album track. Another one that I don't think was ever played live. But, you know, it's one of those things like if any, I'm an album guy as it is. You know, I put on the first track and then go to the last track. If it's a good album. And this is a good album. And I could not imagine hearing this without Go to Hell. And it's not like the most standout, but it's still a great fucking track. What do you think, Aaron? I agree with you 100% on it. It's it is Motorhead by the numbers. Nothing too exciting about it. Nothing bad about it. It's just it is what it is. It's a Motorhead song. Not really a standout on the album for me. There's a lot of songs I like a lot better. I don't know if it's my least favorite, but it's down in the bottom, I'd say. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, um no, I love the song. Well, I love every song on it, but yeah, I I wouldn't say it's the worst on the album, but it's you know, it's not it's not like in the top five either, but I think it's a cool song. You know, it's pretty much Lemmy telling a chick to go to hell. If you listen to the lyrics, it's like you know, you act like you don't want it, but you actually do, and you know, but you can go to hell. Goodbye to you. You know, that, you know. I mean, that's that's a, a great philosophy in life. You know, rip and dip. <laughs> so um, yeah, go to hell. I, I can identify. Uh, I believe it was played live, Ian. Oh, actually, actually, I'm looking at the track listing right now because I went to go grab the uh, the box set. Believe it or not, this I don't know if it was played live by this lineup, but it was played live ah, okay. with Robbo. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm looking at the track listing now, and there's a lot of... See, Robbo didn't like playing a lot of the older Motorhead stuff, but I'm looking here, and right. he did do quite a bit of uh, Iron Fist, some song from Iron Fist. Well, I know, like, I, I'm looking at uh, the last remaster that they did, and they did the Toronto show is the bonus disc on it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's not on that, but uh, no, that's cool, and I would... I mean, I have so many... I have so many Motorhead bootlegs that I haven't even got around to listening to. And I'd be real interested to see if I Well, have I'm sure you have this, this one. This one, um, I'm sure, is very much available everywhere. It's it's the the third disc. This box that it brings three discs, and the third disc is mostly uh, live material from the um, um, Another Perfect Day. And it has some of those, um, like Lemmy Goes to the Pub, which is really a Heart of Stone. Yeah, and, you know, a couple of those alternative mixes of Speed Freak and and stuff like that is also on disc three. But yeah, as I'm looking here, yeah, Go to Hell is one of the live tracks from uh, Another Perfect Day. So there you go. Oh, yeah, is that, you're right. Is that new version? Is that a remastered thing? Did they go back and take the tapes and try to to you know edit it up a little better, make it sound better? No, this this is like your typical. Uh, castle release where the, uh, it's not approved by Motorhead. Well, no, well, well, this is actually the, the sanctuary. I'm looking at it right now. It's it's from a uh, concert in Manchester from June of '83, and they do play this live. You're absolutely right, Ralph. Now, right. But, but what I'm talking about, this came out. This came out. I bought this in the '80s. This is a right. three-disc Motorhead box set that I'm sure wasn't. Oh, okay. Wasn't okayed by Motorhead, where it has a. Uh, you know, it does have a lot of the typical songs off the f first album, all the way up to rock and roll. Uh, this came out before '91, so yeah, it's like late '80s, and yeah, a lot, a lot of these live tracks I don't think were released back then. They were released since, and right. no, I doubt they were. Anything was retouched. They 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 put it out as raw as it is. But uh, it's a great box set, though. I love this box set. It's got a lot of good stuff and a lot of unreleased stuff and. Uh, Good shit to have, you know. Anyway, so uh, what we're talking, Go to Hell. Uh, we all done talking about Go to Hell? Yep. Take the next track. Loser. loser. I'm a loser. This would be like one of my least favorites too, but like I said, there ain't a song here I don't love. And I, I my favorite line is, I'm a loser, that's what they said, but now I got their women in my bed. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's awesome. I love that shit, you know. It's like... It, you know, he's like, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, but, you know, and then, you know, he turns around and says, no, you're the fucking loser. You know, these are people that talk shit about me and call me a loser, but in the end, you know, I, I'm fucking Lemmy. You know, how can I be a loser? You know, so, uh, I love this song, it, but, you know, again, uh, it's, it's one of those, like, this would probably be one that I would, I would predict wasn't finished. Uh, loser will be one. Ian, what do you think of this one? Wow, I couldn't disagree with you more. Uh, not to be con uh, confused with Lonesome Loser by the Little River Band. Uh, <laughs> uh, to me, this is a great deep track, and I think Lemmy and Eddie really shine on this. I, I think uh, Eddie sounds great on guitar, and if you listen to it, I have like the remastered version. And there is a great, like, strong bass line by Lemmy that I really love. And I just, I, I love the groove of it, you know? And, again, it doesn't have, like, that single potential that's, you know, like the sing-along chorus or anything like that. But it's just got that, like, solid feel, you know? And I, I love Loser. It's, it's not in my 
top like four or anything. But uh, I think the album would suffer without it. I absolutely love it. It's a great deep cut. What do you think, Aaron Camaro? Man, let me tell you guys, this is my favorite song on yeah! the Yeah! Hell yeah, it is. And it has been since I was a young man and first heard this. This is, you know, this is an album, even further than that, this is a band that is full of all kinds of inspirational music, you know? And I remember being a young metalhead and not being, you know, the rich kid with the crew cut in the, in the Corvette, you know, and, and all that stuff, not being the football player, being a rock and roller, you know, and, and finding in music like this that that's so fucking K, you know, because now I'm a podcaster and I'm on this <laughs> show right now and I really fucking feel like I made it. So, you know, if I wasn't married, there'd be like a whole population around my whole town, my hometown where the women would be in my bed, but my wife won't allow that. So, you know, I'm picking up the slack for you. I'll take it. Yeah. You take it for me, man. <laughs> Being here on the show validates everything. I've I, ever I, 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 uh, Aaron, I practice birth control. You know how I do that? How do you do it? Facial. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do but yeah. this song i love it it's my favorite song on the whole album one of my favorite motorhead songs it just it just speaks to me man like i me- like i said earlier uh, look so, i love I'm, every song on here i said yeah. losers not one of, I, I wouldn't put that uh, on on the top ones but man it's it, you know even the ones that i i think are kind of like low are still great songs i think every song on here is great there's there's not one clunker on this album I just feel like, you know, uh, it's not one of the better ones. I, I, it doesn't reach the plateau of my favorite songs on here. But I, I love Loser. I think it's a great fucking song. Well, one thing I'd like to say, what I really like about this is uh, if, you, if you listen to the riff, it sounds like that, you know, it sounds like somebody, you know, climbing a ladder, but yet they're still the loser. You know, but they're fucking trying. They're trying yeah. to claw the fuck out of hell. And that's what I love about it. You know, that damn, you know, but still you're a loser, but you're not giving up. And I fucking love that. Fuck yeah, man. That's awesome. And and Lemmy really sings on this song, man. I mean, a lot of Lemmy is a, he's grumbling and he's growling, you know, and it's just coming out. And it's, but he, on this song, he really breaks out some melodies and really tries to sing. And you find that a few times on this album where Lemmy's actually giving it a shot. And with his crazy, rumbling, grumbling voice, he is still a beautiful singer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I love his 100%. voice. His voice is it awesome. Just, speaks to me man this song totally speaks to me all right well well, Aaron why don't you take the next one sex and outrage well I'm glad you kicked it right back to me because this is my second favorite song on the album Wow, a little bit different reason because again being 15 16 years old and hearing songs like this it totally warped my little mind man (laughs) it messed me up you know because it's like yeah this is this is what i'm looking for you know this is what i'm trying to figure out you know and and there it is it's like wow man these guys fucking get it and it the song is fucking amazing i love it it's it's hard not to be my favorite song on the album because i mean fastity clark have you guys ever seen uh, Metalocalypse, Death Clock. Yes, um, yes. yes. <laughs> I got a picture of Fast Eddie Clark, like uh, Squiscar Squig Elf. I mean, everywhere <laughs> he's got that fucking guitar in his hand and he's, all, he's fucking oodling all the time. 
That's how I pitch for Fast City Clark by then. That's why these guys can't take it no more by the time it gets to be Iron Fist. But, you know, it's it's a great song. I fucking love it. Sex and Outrage. I'm certain I've played it on the Decibel Geek podcast before. That's That song really, that's another one that grabbed me when I was younger, too. This And like you guys said, we could probably, the beautiful thing about Motorhead is we would probably do every, you, you the three of us could sit down and do every single Motorhead album that ever came out. And we would probably all agree, just like we're agreeing today, there might be some songs we like a little bit more than others, but there's never a bad Motorhead song. I can't think of any. Yeah, that's true. Especially not on this album. Uh, Daddy Don't Touch Me kind of thing. Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> hey, that was a side project with Girls School. That don't fucking count. That don't fucking count. No, that wasn't with Girls School, was it? No. Wasn't it? No, that was on. What was that? On, that was on March or Die or something. I think. No, I think that's on Bastards actually. Oh, is it? Oh, please don't touch. No, no, not please. Don't, no, there's a, there's a there's a ballad he wrote about a, about a kid being molested called Daddy, please don't touch me. That's a little fucked up. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. on Bastards actually. Yeah, it was a co-write with Chris Inzak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that one I'm like, eh, but uh. No, man, I fucking love Motorhead. Shit, yeah, man. All right, Ralph, what do you think of Sex and Outrage? All right, uh, before I say what I'm going to say, because it's going to sound negative, this is my third favorite track on the album. Wow. We, we haven't gotten to the sec- my second favorite track yet. My okay. fourth favorite is I'm the Doctor. But um, What was your number one favorite, the opener? Iron, Iron Fist, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. But this would be my third favorite, and, the, and, and this is going to sound negative, but to me... What, what sounds negative the most is really positive to me. This is definitely one of the songs that isn't finished. I'll tell you for a couple reasons. The way it ends, how it just like abruptly ends and fades out. It's like, what the hell just happened? And also, and I, and I practiced this myself. If you listen to the song Fatal Fury from Thrash Your Die, my voice breaks. And I told him, don't fix that. And Lemmy's voice breaks in this song where he says that line, uh, all that you've done tonight is walking through the door. When he says door, you can t- you can see you can hear his voice totally break. Like door, <laughs> and then they didn't fix it, you know. And I love that because it's a to me that's charming. There's a charm to mistakes. Yes. Especially when you hear Lemmy hit this real weird high note, because you can tell his voice totally fucked up there. But yet it's charming and it's awesome and it's so blistering. And it's so autobiographical about Lemmy because I saw it myself when I saw the 19, uh, 1916 tour. Uh, they played the Button South, uh, which was a club. We're waiting in the back. And, you know, uh, while you're waiting in the back, the door opens with roadies coming in and out. And at one point when the door was open, Lemmy had his hand up this hot chick's little fucking Daisy Dukes and shit. And I was like, oh, my God, it must be good to be Lemmy, you know? And I know the, it. And she was so hot. And then when Lemmy finally did walk out, he walked out with two hot chicks. One with the Daisy Dukes and some other long, blonde hair, black hair, beautiful girl. And he's on his way to the tour bus, and we stopped. Lemmy, can you sign this? And Lemmy was the coolest motherfucker. Took his time, talked to us. I'd be like, hey, guys, can I talk to you after I'm done fucking these chicks? Yeah, look at look at what I'm about to do, and yeah, you're gonna exactly. sign something. Yeah, fuck you guys. No, he did it. He stood. He stood there wow. while the two chicks behaved and waited. 
Wow. And he, and he signed everything, and we were all talking to him. He was super cool, man. But we also saw these two hot chicks, so we kind of walked away from Lemmy. Like, all right, thanks, Lemmy, because we knew he wanted to go fuck. And he yeah. didn't He didn't budge, you know? He was like, because to me, this is fucking Lemmy every day on the road, you know? Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, he he's a type of guy who fucks a bunch of hot chicks that he's not in a hurry to fuck two hot, two chicks, you know? <laughs> and they're both hot. And he's taking, to me, it'd be like, fuck the fans. Right, yeah. I'd be, be like, I'd be like what Gordon Gerber thinks of Ace Fraley. <laughs> fuck the fans. <laughs> fuck the fans. Anyway, uh, yeah, third favorite track, but definitely sounds unfinished. But that to me is another charming thing about it is like, they didn't, they, they're like, oh, dude, fuck it. Let's just leave it in as it is. But it's blistering. It's fast. And this is a song that I would love to cover one day, too. It would be like the second song I would love to cover off this album, After the Doctor. I love Sex and Outrage. What do you think, uh, Ian? Well, uh, I, I, I love it because we all have different opinions. This would be tied with I'm the Doctor for my least favorite song. Uh. And, and, and I believe uh, this is my second pick for what he would consider the unfinished song. And kind of, you know, you know, when I'm looking at my criteria for what's an unfinished, I mean, even if you look at like the length of the song, this is two minutes and 10 seconds. But then again, on the flip side of that, you look at what a Ramones fan he was. So like a song doesn't have to be dream theater length for him, you know, to be a song. But there's something about this seems unfinished and kind of, I don't know, jangled, but um, I, I, I don't hate it, but I don't feel it either. Uh, but I love what you said about how, how Lemmy was with you. And I've read in countless interviews, I've read, I've read Lemmy's autobiography and watched so much footage. Man, the fans were everything to him because he knew, like, hey, you, you know, we're not fucking Death Leopard. We don't sell a shit ton of records. But the people who do love us, you know, uh, I believe it could be the, in, in the Lemmy movie. You know, where there's a very poignant part, part where he talks about the fans, and he's like, no, they're the best. They're the best. We couldn't do this without them. So it's like, I can totally see him being that way to you, like, even though he knows he's going to get, like, ass times dose. But he wouldn't get ass times dose if it wasn't for you. Yeah, that's, and, that, I was about to say, I go, yeah, I'm walking to the bus with these two hot chicks because of you. Right, and, and that's... That's exactly how I felt. You know, I told the story in the past on a past episode about uh, when I had a chance to go backstage for Danzig. And, and they're like, no, no dudes. And I'm like, look, all these chicks are strippers. They did not buy his album. They don't know, you know, uh, Danzig 6. I bought Danzig 6. You know, it's like, and you can't just at least say, hey, what's up? You know, Ayatollah, you know, and shake my hand. But... <laughs> But yet, these people who have no idea about your music, you'll spend more time. I mean, there's always time for pussy. I get that. But, uh, you know, Lemmy, Lemmy was a real motherfucker. And, man, it's it, it just so rare. I mean, he, he is so, like, raw. But at the same time, he was very much an English gentleman. And it was very polite and very respectful to the people who supported him. And, uh... I, I feel bad even dogging this track, but it's definitely not one of my favorites. But uh, let me take the next one, which I will say is my favorite song on the album. 
Hey, I'm, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Move on too far. Let me just say, I got a feel for you backstage at the Danzig concert, especially after you're like, damn, you just let my mom in. <laughs> yeah, but everybody let your mom in. You know what? It, it's, since we're here and we're doing the combat rock and roll party, I just want to do a little breaking news before we get into side two of this album, is that I've done my research. Before I agreed to come on this show, I've done my research and... I don't know if it's ever been revealed on this show before. I know you guys talk a lot about each other's moms, but I actually know your mom's names. I know your both of your mom's first names. Wow. Do you want to know how I know that? Yeah. Well, right here on the Iron Fist album on the back, because I've got the LP, is there's a whole little section written on the bottom. It's very interesting. Can I read it to you? Sure. All right, here's what it says. It says, here's the latest example of vinyl shrapnel, guys and gals. Hope you're standing to attention. We had a great time making this fab opus. Listen to it unwrapped in barbed wire. Produced by Evil Redneck, Will Reed Dick, Flying Ace Productions, and Motorhead. Well, Eddie, really. Tape optimist Chaz Harrowell, recorded at Morgan Studios, the 1st through the 30th of of uh, February in 82 except for Iron Fist shut it down recorded at Ramport on the 26th through 28th in January sandwiches by Kathy <clears throat> Kathy Wadley oh shit and drunken babblings by Patsy Patsy Dr. Dr. Patsy Buck. God that is the dude it's, tr it's true yeah That's that's why it's such an honor to do this album with you guys here today because I know you two could very possibly both be illegitimate children of Lemmy. Well, there you go. Now we know that Lemmy's not only into teenage sex and outrage, but also old hag sex and outrage. Exactly. Old yeah. whores. And that would explain my liver while I'm still alive. Yeah, that's it's true. All, it's all right here on the back of the album cover. Vibe by Smear. I breathe the same thing. <laughs> It's I never put two and two together. See, that's what doing your homework's all about. That's why I do homework all the time on Decibel Geek. Now oh. I'm doing it your show, revealing all kinds of stuff that your listeners didn't even know. Wow. Well, well where Ralph, your mom put two and two together. It was called a Chinese fingers cuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, so, hey, uh, hey, Ian. Yes. Uh, since, uh, since you bought Danzig 6, I think it should have been you giving them head instead of the strippers. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, well, let me get back into America, dude. <laughs> my, my favorite track on the album. And the reason is Lemmy's vocals. Mm. I, I think this is the best he ever did. I, and I love, like, you know, that little pre-part of the chorus where it's like, ah, but the way he holds it and everything was fucking amazing. And I love, like, just, just hearing, like, his outlook on you know coming here from england to america and and what it meant to him and how weird that's got to be i mean we take a lot of shit for granted this is just where we grew up but you know for somebody to come from that and and come to here and i i feel it really encompassed everything in this song and it was probably the first i ever heard of crystal meth is when he goes go to <laughs> canada crystal meth <laughs> you know? That's but, funny. I never thought about that. Me too. <laughs> but, uh, Most but, definitely. 
I, I absolutely love this track. It was played a few times live, not a lot. And I'm thinking the reason why, I mean, okay, well, well, it wasn't simple or anything, but I think because of how it required him to sing. I mean, I honestly feel this is like the coolest he's ever sang. And like when it go, you know, goes in that pre-chorus, that's like the best he ever sounded. I love, love, love America. Uh, I mean, not the country, but the song. Well, then, well, then fucking leave. <laughs> I, I, I know, but but because I live in America, I can't afford a ticket. Ah. But, uh, no, I. Lemmy's not here to make America great anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Now, now all we have is Donald Trump. So I'm leaving. You know, as soon as I get it, you know, I'll jump on the other side of the wall in Donald Trump's building. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Politically, we're fucked anyway. Any one of them guys gets in. Any one of them men or gentlemen or ladies. Any one of them. I don't see no ladies there. We're all. Hey, oh, Hillary's God. packing. I don't know if you know this. Well, well that, that that's the fucked up thing. I'm stuck with either Donald Trump or I'm stuck with another woman who don't suck dick that's trying to tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. You know, what's a podcaster to do? I don't know. Vote for Dr. Fuck. <laughs> that earned it right there. Yeah. Suck Suddenly, there's a front runner. Exactly. Vote exactly. for Dr. Fuck. I lie, you can believe it. That's right. I ain't, <laughs> I ain't gonna fix shit. But at least I ain't gonna lie about it. Exactly. All right. Yeah, it is my favorite track. Mr. Camaro, what do you believe about America? I fucking love it, man. I love living here. I love I Take Everything. Oh, the song? I fucking love that, too, man. It's great. And it's a song about how crazy it is in the United States. As an American, you gotta kind of be proud of that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I talked about this in our Lemmy tribute. He had this great thing about America. You know, he's like, America's all about, you know, working on your Chevy in your driveway, smoking a pack of Marlboros, but you can't be seen smoking the pack of Marlboros. Right. <laughs> you know, and that, that sums up America perfectly to me. Like, yeah. be, be, what, be what you want to be, but, uh, you know, you can't show it. Right, you know, Europeans, they do everything we fucking do here in the United States. Everything that's considered bad here. Oh, you shouldn't do that. They do it all, all in the open. Nobody gives a damn. Nobody messes with nobody else. That's the way it's supposed to be. Here, if you're doing bad stuff, man, you gotta hide it. You know, don't let nobody know. That's right. But otherwise, just don't do bad stuff. Just listen yeah. to Motorhead. Just listen to Motorhead. Follow follow the, the lead of Lemmy. You know, all the things he sings about in this song, don't do them. Yeah. Be proud. Be proud Americans, you know, stand up to the stereotype. So he met a bunch of bad people the first time he came. <laughs> and you're right about this song, it's Lemmy fucking singing again, man. Lemmy's not known for his singing, but damn, when he belts it out, he belts it out and he sounds fantastic. I wish in more of his stuff, and I guess you get it more after this album, but he really does, he hits the harmonies. It's like his voice just kind of melds with the music and sticks to it and follows it through perfectly. This is a great example of that. I mean, five, six, seven, probably one, two, three for me is my favorite list. Nice. All right, Ralph? I love this song. I love the riff. And he probably, you know, he mimics it with the, with the vocal structure and then he goes into that singing part. Uh, I love it. I love it. I remember listening to this as a little boy, and I know I knew what crystal meth was back then because my mom sucked dick for it. <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, another part of this song I loved when he says "Sense Amelia," 
It was like, dude, I knew since I was smoking since Amelia back then, though it was pretty hard to get when I was a kid. When I used to smoke weed, Sense Amelia was the top of the barrel. It's like, if you got Sense Amelia, it was the best weed there was. Probably still is. I haven't smoked weed in eight years, but I don't know if Sense Amelia still is at the top. Uh, but, um, yeah, the way, what, it, just the, the fact that he mentions Sense Amelia in this song is what really, really sold it for me. Because back then, I was a big weed smoker, and Sense Amelia was... You know the the, the unobtainable uh, strain of weed to get, but when you got it, you got. I mean, I remember smoking since the you couldn't finish a joint. You take like three hits and you were done. You know, so and you know, and then listening to the song now, which I did, I did listen to the song uh, the past couple days in my car, and the line where he talks about you know the endless road. You know, uh, I've done a couple tours of, uh, not only tours, but I've done a lot of road trips in my life of America. And America is so fucking huge, especially if you drive from Florida to California or from Rhode Island to Florida nonstop. It is endless. It's oh, like, yeah. you know, and you know, I, I understand Europe. You know, I'm about to do an insane Europe tour where it's 25 dates with no days off. And we're playing everything from Italy, Poland, uh, uh, you name it. I'm playing everywhere, you know. Um, London, Germany, fucking Serbia, you know. It's like, and we're going to be going back and forth, back and forth. But I have a feeling it's not going to be as brutal as it was, as it is in America. Because America is like, dude, it's like a lot of the highway in America is nothing but trees, you know. It's not, and there's not a lot of, there's like 80% of America is still like fucking not built yet. And, well, uh, yeah, go ahead, Ian. Well, I was just going to say, you know, uh, Sense Amelia is the same shit I buy off of Chris Enzak. And now I know why Tennessee's so slow. Because that shit's heavy. Yeah, oh, dude. Fuck, man. You know? <laughs> and, uh, I've asked him a million times if he was holding, and he always tells me no. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah, because I bought it all. <laughs> <laughs> have, have you heard this show? That's why I'm so bad. I'm high as a fucking kite. Well, that fucking explains it. <laughs> but, uh, and Lemmy said that's what he loved about America. He goes, you could tour America for like three years and never play the same place twice. I mean, when you actually think about Europe, like, okay, what we have here that are considered uh, states is what are our countries in Europe. And, uh, yeah, I, I can only imagine for a band like that to, to come over here and tour. Like, this is... A mess. I mean, amazing. But uh, he had much love for it, and that's why he moved here in the early '90s and never looked back. Yep. And he and he has said, you know, that he loves America. He thinks America is way better than England, except the only thing he hated about America was the censorship issue. Right. He said that shit would be laughed at in England. Right. Yeah. But anyway, I'll, I'll take the next one, which is shut it down. Uh, another one that I, I would say this one probably is the other one that uh, probably unfinished. Either that or the last track. Um, but I love this song too. It's another, you know, f- middle finger in the air, shut it down. You know, uh, another positive type thing, you know, individualism uh, type song. But you know, again, I, you know, it's not the, one of the, my favorite tracks on the album. I put it down there with the ones I put down there already, but. It's a good track, like every track on here. I think Shut Down is pretty kick-ass, you know, and it's a real shitty um, 
uh, explanation review I got, but then pretty much a filler tune. This is one I don't think they've ever played live. And um, but I dig it. It's cool. What do you think, Aaron? I agree. I think this is probably one of the unfinished songs. It's not nothing spectacular. You know, and this is another example, too, where, you know, looking back on it in retrospect, and again, I'm listening to the original album when I'm trying to, to get my memories wrapped up from listening to this all these years. And, you know, it sucks because Eddie Clark, you know, you can tell he really did try to do his best on production as he could because he actually kind of produces himself right out of this album where these guitars should be huge and over the top you know it's just not and one thing i'm going to do is i'm going to definitely go ahead and get myself a copy of the remastered version of this so i can enjoy it in all its glory and i hope they were able to do something more with it because i've never heard it but this song eh, just kind of run of the mill nothing special i like the way it kind of ramps up at the end you know where it kind of speeds up and gets faster and faster yeah, and builds yeah. up to the very end of the song and then it's over that's awesome. I like that. A little bit of genius in every song. In? Well, I would say if you were going to buy, you know, the, the latest remaster, the uh, Sanctuary remaster, I would say use the Amazon link for uh, Rock and Metal Combat podcast that Chris Sinzak set me up with. Uh-huh. But, but we lost it. So what? if... Yeah, if you're going to do it, use a Decimal Geek uh, Amazon funny. link. <laughs> That's funny because just for a split second there, I almost went into the spiel about the, uh, hey, if you're going to buy this album, which <laughs> it's Motorhead, Iron Fist. Everybody should own a copy of it. Ian's telling me there's a really kick-ass uh, remastered version of it. And if you're going to go out and buy it, which I recommend you do, you do it through the Decibel Geek link at decibelgeek.com. But, and then and then forward the money to Ian. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can keep and then Amazon will then cut these guys a check, and they'll just wait for it and wait. No, no unfortunately, I did the Amazon link, and uh, Amazon no longer has anything to do with Louisiana because of our new tax laws. So I tell all our fans, if you are going to buy anything off of Amazon, use the Decimal Geek uh, podcast link for mm-hmm. Amazon. You're such a fucking sweetie pie, Ian. <laughs> uh, and, uh, okay. Hey, 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 in all seriousness, uh, Sinzak is the one who, who set me up with everything. When I when I first started doing all this, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, Ralph was like, "Hey, fuck you! I'm the talent. You figure this shit out." <laughs> so I was like, I was like, okay. And you know who helped me was Chris Sinzak. Chris Sinzak has done so much for me. I can never, you know. Yeah, he's a Pollock, but he's my buddy. And he's a man among men. You yes, know? and he helped me so much. He set me up with the Amazon link and showed me how to do everything. But unfo- uh, right, unfortunately, I can't do it anymore. So I ask our listeners, since we can't do it, if you want to buy something off of Amazon, use the Decibel Geek link because every pocket, like Eddie Trunk, uh, fucking. Uh, What's the cocksucker wrestler that I love, but I hate his podcast? Chris Jericho. Uh, Chris Jericho. Yeah, don't use their link. You use some like help a real person that you know a gra- a grassroots podcast. Help Decibel Geek. You know. I don't have a WWE Legends contract, people. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, so. to, thanks to me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. Oh, uh, what could have been? But yeah, but no, seriously though, check out the uh, the two disc version. It's the Sanctuary Records 
2006 version that has the whole live show from Toronto. Right on. And, and, and like I said, use the decimal beat. But what do I feel about this song? Uh, it's an album track, and this is something we all agree on. This is the first one we all agree on, that this is an unfinished song. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't hate it. Not at all. It, it's, it's not horrible. I mean, this isn't like fucking Odyssey off The Elder. Hey! You know, this, this is a good song. It's just... I, I, as much as I love this album, part of me, a big part of me wishes we were doing that today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never you never know because we're kind of redoing the, the first uh, era of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast with uh, our own homes. Maybe we'll have you back on when we redo that. I'd love to do anything Kiss, anything Ugly Kid Joe. You guys know me. You know what I like. <laughs> oh, I know you love the Ugly Kid Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we're doing this today, because I love Motorhead. Oh, yeah. And, and this the one that, why I really wanted to have you on here is because the things you always speak about on uh, on Decibel Geek, uh-huh. you, you know, you know, because you guys cover a lot of cock rock, and I fucking love the cock rock. Ralph, not so much. But as far as heavy bands, you always preach Motorhead and Overkill. And I, and I fucking love that. And we would like, you know, if we don't, you know, lower your credit rating, we hope you come back and do an Overkill record with us. That would be awesome. I am uh, recording it inside my house, and today the realtors came and took away the old sign and put up a new one. <laughs> Nice. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Well, if you still have somewhere to record, you need to come back for an overkill. <laughs> hey, they might remove my family from the house, but they'll never tear Chris Sinzak from the studio. We'll always have that anchor. Nice. Well, sorry about that, but uh, let's go back to <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to shut it down. Yeah, uh, it's an album track. I don't hate it, but yes, it does seem unfinished. And Aaron, what do you think about the next song that is Speed Freak? I fucking love Speed Freak. It's a great, aggressive song. You know, it's it's heavy, it's rocking, it's chugging. I love it, man. It's it's Motorhead through and through. Again, you know, it's it's kind of hurt by production because it, Fast Eddie Clark is fucking wailing on this song. He's just going fucking nuts on it. and But it's kind of buried up behind everything else. And that's what I hate about it. Like I said, I got to get the remastered version so I can enjoy it in its, its full intended beauty. But I love this song. It's heavy. And you know what? If there's any, any excuse for having shitty production on this album, it's okay. Because it's punk rock. Just listen to that song right there. It'll it it's punk rock right there. Nice. Uh, speed freak, very autobiographical of Lemmy because he is a speed freak. Um, not only music wise, but he he till the end he he kept doing speed, and um, yeah, it's a fucking smoking tune, man. I love this song, but this this one I would put like on the on the upper half of the songs I like on this album. Uh, great fucking song. I loves it. What do you think, Ian? Uh, to me, it's a lost classic. Uh, because not a lot of people talk about this. You don't see it on live albums, but it it is. It's like Motorhead through and through. Like, hey, let's do some trucker speed and 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 fuck Rouse Mom and and fucking make a night of it. Hell uh, yeah, she got on the album that way. <laughs> exactly. We uh, there. Hey, hey, Patsy. <laughs> yeah. Patsy fuck. Uh, uh, 
I, I really dig it, though. It, it's it's one of those things. Again, it's not a standout track. It has no single potential, but it has that Motorhead caliber, not only lyrically, but musically. It fits in with everything in their catalog, and and, and I love that. There's there's no uh, diversion. You know, it's just, hey, here's a fucking another Motorhead song about doing some fucking crystal meth with Rouse Mom, and how can you not love that? Right, exactly. But you might be right about that being that it's such a controversial subject. Maybe that's why it's kind of forgotten because they kind of shy away from that after a while. It's like somewhere somewhere shortly after 82, crystal meth wasn't considered cool anymore. Yeah, and, well, <laughs> neither, was Ralph's, neither was Ralph's mom after they had to take penicillin. So. That didn't stop her. <laughs> and it sure ain't going to stop Lemmy. Well, and she's to, not a quitter. <laughs> and to this day, crystal meth is still cool, Mom. Nice. Well, there you go. And she still, still loves Motorhead, just like we all do. All right, well, Ralph, what do you think about uh, track number 10, Don't Let Them Grind You Down? Yeah, my second favorite. This is the one that I, I put up there as second favorite. Again, like, I won't go into the long spiel. If you want to hear what I think of this song, listen to the Twist Sister episode where I talk about I Am, I'm Me. Songs like Fight the Good Fight by Triumph. Uh oh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of songs that, you know, speak to me and were very instrumental in my life. And this is definitely another one I would put in, You know, I should make a compilation of songs that the youth do not hear today in music because today's music doesn't have positive messages like don't let them grind you down and fight the good fight. I am on me. You know, there's these are songs that would that for me, when I, a little little pot smoking kid that that was like an individual that wanted his own life but I was I was confined to the jail of my parents house that I couldn't do you know my parents were very very conservative so conservative that my dad wouldn't let, even let me bring a chick into the house I mean I back then I used to fuck girls in, at parks I'm not lying I used to fuck them outdoors because like, I had nowhere to take them or I would, you know, there were, th dude, I'm telling you, there's more than one incident. I was fucking a girl at her house, and I ended up hiding in the closet because the parents came home. And, I, and, and I'm talking about sitting in that closet for hours. Well, so it's, time, it's time to come out of the closet, bro. Exactly. Well, no, that'll never happen, man. And he tells, and he tells these stories like these are girls, but obviously <laughs> they're just poor, hapless, woodland, woodland creatures that you found wandering around out there. Well, that's the only thing I can get. I mean, come on. It's, it's, either, it's either that or my hand, you know? It was a raccoon, but, I mean, it's still sex, right? Hey, man, sex is sex, man. If it's wet, it works. <laughs> and, and, and uh, but, you know, like I told you, this song, Don't Let Them Grind You Down, is kind of like, because you know what? Even today, I mean, when you're young, uh, you're always going to have people that, you know, like bring you down or try to bring you down and you know you're just discovering yourself you're not really fucking experienced in life so of course you're gonna make mistakes as you learn but when you make those mistakes you're always gonna have the asshole like pointing at you you're a fucking loser you're this and that you know but what this song says to me is like every time something fucking went wrong and I would fuck up and people were like mostly my dad you know pointing his finger at me and you know, you're never going to achieve nothing in life if you don't go to school and blah, 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 if you don't go to college. Because that was my main gripe with my dad. 
I, you know, I wasn't bad in school. I was like a C student. I did graduate high school. I never failed a grade. But when I was done with school, I was done. I hated school. I didn't want to go to college. I left my house at 17 years old because, you know, I was like, because I just couldn't take it. And songs like this and, uh, you know, and Fight the Good Fight, I Am Me, was really instrumental in me getting out of my parents' house. I mean, I, I know people in their 40s that still live with mom and dad, you know? Nothing wrong with that. Hey, if that's your thing, I'm just saying, because... Ian. Yeah. Hey, 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 my parents made me move out. <laughs> yeah, where mine didn't. My, I, you know, I literally left through the night when they didn't even know. I I, it was kind of like a run. I, I was a runaway. You couldn't leave your house at 17. I was like three three months shy of being 18. I couldn't wait three oh, months. Oh, wrestling little runaway. That's right. And uh, <laughs> but this song was very you know when I was I remember I remember vividly listening to this song on my Walkman when I used to work at Publix, which is a big supermarket here in got the Frozen. Publix? Yeah, uh, we got them here too. Oh, you got them? okay. Uh, well. I used to I used to work in the frozen food like you know stocking shit in the back with my Walkman and I do remember listening to Iron Fist and I do remember this song having a big impact on me where it was like well I'm stacking all this food going you know one day I'm gonna be out of here and I'm gonna have a good job with no education that's how dumb I was then but I ended up getting a good job without a college education you know, I mean, I don't mean to brag, but I know college students that don't make as much as I do now. And, they, uh, uh, no, I, and you know people that aren't even fucking podcasters or nothing. Look exactly. At Look at I'm, a, I'm also a podcaster. Yeah, I'm fucking, yeah, it's like loser. All your women are in his bed, and he's the king of fucking podcasts. Doc, <laughs> in the house. Exactly. You know, and I got to tell you, you know, Aaron, uh, true story, I fucked a mom and daughter at the same time. Nice. Come on, I didn't have to go to college yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah what, what, what he left out was out of a future. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> I didn't know Ian had a sister. Oh, shit. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. <laughs> yeah, Ian's sister is his mom. Don't, don't. Hey, in, I'm not from Nashville. Don't invite me on the mama show. <laughs> anyway, I, you know, just to go to the show, you know, you can fuck a mom and sister and not have an education. So anyway, and, and uh, it helps if they don't either. <laughs> and don't let them grind you down. It's very instrumental in me fucking mom, uh, mom and daughter. And that's his campaign slogan, ladies and gentlemen. So please, yeah. for, for the future of this country, vote for Doctor Fuck. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's much right. sexier than let's make America great again. Yeah, that's <laughs> sexier. Even though the mother and daughter, this is another interesting thing. I never mentioned this before, but the mother and daughter that I had sex with, like the father was long gone, obviously. But the, the stepfather that owned the house that I fucked him in, at that moment was in an insane asylum. Wow. See, <laughs> being, being the fucking co-host of Chris Sinzak, I thought I'd heard it all. <laughs> That's right. So I, Thank so, you for ruining podcasting for me just a little bit more. Now I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. Aaron, don't let me grind you down. <laughs> grind me down far enough. Trump's got my vote now, fucker. That's it. Uh, one day I hope to fuck Trump's daughter and mom at the same time. Alright, so uh, Aaron, what do you think of Don't Let Him Grind You Down? I think you can do anything you put your mind to, man. And this song, to me, again, just like you said, 
inspirational music. I mean, this is the kind of shit that I needed to hear when I was that age. And I wish I'd have grasped it more than as much as I understand it now. You know, it's like how many times do you think, man, if I could go back in time and change my decision on this or, or do this a little differently, I wish I'd have heard this song back then and said, no, fucking listen to this, you know, really understand what it means. This dude, Lemmy, he's out there and he's making it happen and he's happy with where he's at and he's got it made. He's getting all kinds of pussy. He ain't got to pay for drugs. He ain't got to pay for alcohol. He's out there. He doesn't have to pay for food. He's got it going on. He's just traveling around, making it happen, rock and roll lifestyle. And anybody can do that. Well, until you have a kid or two. But, you know, up until then, it's all good. This is the kind of stuff that, you know, like like Ralph said, you know, kids need to hear this nowadays, you know? It's, it makes me sad that when I was a young man, I was willing to chop firewood for rock and roll. And kids nowadays aren't willing to do shit for nothing, you know? No, it's all about fucking wearing your pants down to your ankles and talking about fucking a gack and shoot, shoot people and, and chicks are hoes. Well... That hasn't changed, but still, everything else is like, uh, it, there's no positivity in music today. There's just none. I mean, you don't hear anything uplifting anymore. And if you do, it's like probably like religious music, and that don't count. Because that ain't music. Yeah. <laughs> that don't count. Fuck, we're talking about Motorhead here. Don't don't break us too exactly. far. Exactly. And, and Aaron, like you said, when you wish you would have heard this as a kid. Well, dude, honestly, maybe if you did hear this as a kid, you probably would have ended up fucking a mom and daughter too. <laughs> you underestimate me, sir. <laughs> yeah, you forget he worked at a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah. In Tennessee, right? <laughs> Not well. Yeah, in Tennessee, in Wisconsin, I've I've been a radio DJ. You underestimate my uh my scrapbook, my okay. photo album. You got me there. All right. Well, I love this. Uh, to me, it's an album track. I think the message is better than the song. Uh, it, it, it's not a bad song, but the message, it, it, to me, is so much more powerful. And I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about an asshole that that both Aaron and I know. I, I don't know if you're so familiar with him, Ralph. But uh, well, I know myself very well. <laughs> oh no, no, no! This is another. Oh, asshole. oh, some other asshole. This asshole's name is Billy Hardaway. Okay. And, <laughs> and Billy. Billy was talking about our uh, our accept balls to the wall episode. He goes, he goes, oh man, he goes, I was loving that episode until it turned into an after school special. <laughs> but, 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 uh, How does it turn into an after school special? Well, because well, Aaron, if you were a true fan and not just trying to jump on the bandwagon, you would have heard it and you would have known what he was. Oh, talking I know about. what he's talking about. When I was uh, fight it back, right? Yes, but hey, hey. We, why don't you give me a fucking breaky? And I'm only doing this show because Chris Sinzak's been bugging me for fucking months to do it. Would you please do this show? So I've never even talked about guys outside of that crazy fucking shit that went on on our show. And you don't leave me alone about it. So here I fucking am. So don't try to turn this around on me, buddy. Okay, my bad. Okay. Uh, but anyway. Of you. Uh, still. So uh, we were talking about how heavy metal could be a positive. And, and this is something that's a very positive message. And we, we've all talked about how this music affected us when we were younger. And when I listened to metal, like there were so many people would be like, okay, now you're a, you're a saint worshiper, you're gonna do all this. But to me, metal back then was escapism. 
in, in a positive way. Either it was like, uh, you know, it just took you away from wherever you were at. Uh, but, you know, it's like, gave you something to look forward to. You know, it wasn't like a negative. It was a positive. And that's, right. what, and that's what this song is. Like, you know, whatever you are into, don't let other people tell you that you're bad. Just don't let them fucking stop you. Do you. And, and that is absolutely missed in today's music. And that's what happened with grunge. And even though there's a lot of grunge, like, musically, because when grunge came in musically, it kind of took it back to that Sabbath sounding, you know, like the, you know, the, the down guitars and everything like that. But what I didn't like was, like, the woe is me. And, right. and, and, and the self-pity, like, you know, like the core, like, ah, oh, daddy raped me, you know, he didn't play football with me, man, man, man. You know, when I listened to metal back in the 80s, I was, it just made me feel alive and like, ooh, you know, either I'm going to fuck a chick, you know, and drive a fast car, or I'm going to slay a dragon or some kind of shit, you know, but it was all like, it was a positive outlet. It wasn't a negative. Your childhood sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, that's because I didn't grow up a Green Bay Packers fan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I had to go there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you were just going to say, Cause, because I had motorhead. But no, you had to fucking go there. Yeah, you know, I love you anyway. But you're right, man. You know, and think about that as far as, like, you know, hearing it as a youngster. You know, there's probably listeners out there right now listening to this that maybe not have listened to the entire Iron Fist album. And this is a song that should affect you as an adult too because you know as you find out you become you're a kid you know and you're hearing this stuff and like oh yeah you know rebelling against my parents and as you get to be our age you realize rebelling against your parents ain't shit there's a whole fucking world of people that don't give a damn about you out there that are just waiting to put the grind down on you every fucking day so as an adult, this song hits me even more than it did when I was a kid because more than ever, I need to be reminded that nobody's going to grind me down. You know, and you guys got to understand that as well. As adults, it's really got to got to do something to you. Oh, come oh, no, on, I, man. I understand that more than you. You're married. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, one thing I will say, like, we do have some young listeners that we talk to on the Facebook page. And I'm very happy to announce that we like have like kids that are like good students that are like active in sports, like doing. I mean, they're not like total fucking burnouts, but they still enjoy this music. If and, their parents find out that they're listening to this show, there's going to be some shit going on. Yeah. Oh no, no, no! I, I asked more. I asked more than one kid. I was like, "Do your parents know you listen to this shit?" And, you know, one kid was like, "Yeah," another kid's like, "No." But what I, what I like though is like. Because I'll follow these, like, if, you, if you're on our, our page, I'll check in with you. I'll see how you're doing. We have some young listeners that are doing much better than me and Ralph were doing at that age. And they, they still love this music, and they take all the positives out of it. They don't take the negatives. They're, they're like, you know, but they get what we're talking about, you know, especially with this song. Don't let them grind you down, even if you feel different or whatever. You know, don't just sit there and feel sorry for yourself. Take that fucking shit, turn around, make it work to your advantage, and persevere. And I love that. It makes me very proud. <laughs> There's a lot of times I am ashamed that we have young listeners. But that they are not fucking drugs of society makes me happy. That they are getting the right message from this music. 
Yes. You know? And, and there, you don't hear that in new music. You do not hear, like, a, a Persevere song. You hear a Feel Sorry for Yourself or It's Their Fault. No! It's not their fault. Take take charge of your life, take charge of everything, and march forward. And that's how I feel about this song. Do I think it's the greatest song? No, but the message is incredible. I love it. Holy fuck, dude. You just turned into Aaron Camaro on me. Oh, shit. That was something. That was... I've never given an inspirational speech like that. Holy shit. Chris yeah. is going to replace me. Hey, Ralph, I guess I'm going to be your new co-host because I just got replaced. <laughs> well, well, good. At least you don't burp. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's one of my podcasting pet peeves, too. I burp <laughs> off mic. Oh, Why okay. can't our co-host do that shit? All right, yeah, no, no, I gotta yeah, find somebody. But, else. but, but come some, on, man. be some, professional. Some people will take the positive out of that, you know. But Billy Hardaway is still gonna be a prick tomorrow when he goes to work, you know. So, what are you gonna do? I don't know what you're talking about. He's a ray of sunshine. Oh my God, I love you though, Billy. Hill, Billy. <laughs> All right, well, let's go to the next song. He's from Texas. Oh. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the next song, which is hashtag don't need religion. Ralph, what do you think? Fucking love it. Uh, when I was a kid, this was probably like my favorite track on the album. Um, that theme, though. What is that theme? What, isn't that like from an old TV show? Yeah, like, it's Peter Gunn. <laughs> there you go. I know. I was like, I was like, dude, this riff is so familiar. But but it's so it's so it really does speak to me like you know it's definitely a great philosophy to have I mean but you know make up your own mind if you need religion if you don't that's that's an individual thing because I don't really look down on anybody that's religious as long as they don't like to shove it down my throat but you know it's let me you know people can get up on the pulpit and talk about Jesus and this and that, and Lemmy's doing the same thing. He's up on the pulpit saying there's no Jesus. You know, I, I don't, you know, I don't believe in Santa Claus. I don't believe in fairies no more. You know, it's his philosophy. It's an atheist song, um, but it's really good. And it, and it's kind of like a don't let him grind you down kind of attitude because at that time, well, in America, because now it's kind of like this song really doesn't really have the same kind of bite that it used to because we live we live in society now where it's okay to hate Jesus and but back then you you, you thought like that you you were you'd fear going to hell well i would i wouldn't say not hate jesus but it's okay to not believe in jesus no it's okay to hate jesus like i'm talking about the youth of today where back when i was a kid no man there wasn't no you know like fucking all this blasphemous shit going on and you know churches burning down and you know black metal and all that shit today. It's, you, I I find it almost not almost. I find it equally retarded to love Satan as it is to love Jesus. You know, to me, it's still. I agree. It, 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 it to me, they're both. It's hey, in the end, it's a, still a religion. So if you're gonna sit there, see, here's the thing: if you want to be a Satanist and love Satan, I don't see nothing wrong in that. But if you want to be a Satanist and talk shit about Jesus, Jesus sucked, fuck Jesus, and this and that, and do little jokes about Jesus. To me, what's the difference between that or a Bible thumper 
talking about about Satan. To me, it's the same thing. So, and and I think Lemmy, Lemmy, Lemmy even said in in a quote, he said, "Fuck God and fuck Satan," you know, because uh, everything I did, like the devil made me do it. The devil made me do, n- never made me do anything. I did it myself, right. you know. And I and uh, Lemmy was anti-satanic, anti-Christian, anti-everything. He just didn't believe in religion at all. And if you listen to these lyrics, it's the point of view of a guy that just did not believe. And back then, I mean, yeah, you had a couple bands back there. You know, you had your Merciful Fates and Venom and stuff like that. But that was very under the radar and still very cutting edge. You know, uh, to say shit like that was very, very blasphemous. And this was uh, definitely... uh, uh, counter-cultural at the time because back then it was not cool to say I don't need religion and hearing this as a little kid during that 80s where you know uh, this was during the time too where I'd go to concerts and see people picketing shows you know that you're going to hell if you go in there and stuff like that you know where you you'd hear a song like this and you you think of those people like fuck you you know and, but in retrospect, listening to the song, it's m- more of a point of view. And um, I can't say I don't need religion, but at the moment I don't practice anything religious because to me, you know, the whole afterlife thing is nobody knows. You know who knows Lemmy, you know, now, you know, but, but while you're alive, you don't know what's going to happen. It's, there may be a God, there may be a hell, and there may be the, I've read the Bible. And I and I happen according to the Bible, nobody's in hell right now. We're all in boxes or scattered in ashes, waiting for judgment day. Then we go to hell. You know what I mean? But anyway, uh, I'm a little too long-winded. I love the song. It's cool. What do you think, Aaron? I think it's fucking awesome too. You know, and it's not really even. I don't think talking bad about God or anything like that. It's just really religion, you know. And yeah, and yeah. my and what I always figured was for myself was, do you really need a middleman to be able to talk to the main man? And you don't, you know. If you, whatever your your spiritual persuasion is, we you know whatever makes you feel good, do it. You know, as long as you're not hurting nobody, that's what it's all about, you know. And as far as you know, this song goes, it is a huge rebellious song, and that was crazy at those times. You know, and one of the big things, like, for me, when I was a little bitty kid, somehow somebody actually let me get a hold of some double platinum and listen to it, you know? And I was screwed up as a little kid, but as I got a little bit older, I got out of all the, like, it was just Kiss, really, and whatever my Aunt Pam or my Uncle Bruce had that they were playing, but whatever music it was, I loved it. But then as I got a little bit older, in like elementary school, I got out of it. But I was in Saturday school, which is basically Sunday school for Lutherans. And one day the preacher man came out and he was teaching our class. And he said, you know, what kind of music do you people listen to, you, you young people? And like they were going around the class and like somebody said, well, I like Madonna. And it's funny in retrospect because he like was looking in his pamphlet and he was like, no, I don't see nothing about Madonna in here, you know? And then it was like, well, what do you like? Well, did somebody else say, like, Michael Jackson? No, nothing about Michael Jackson. Prince, no, nothing about Prince in here. And they're, like, running down, and, like, nobody's listening to nothing. And I'm thinking back to the old records I had sitting on the top of my closet that I begged for when I was a little kid and hadn't listened to in a couple of years, and they were Kiss. 
And so they, he said, what do you listen to? And just because it was, you know, something, I said, well, I listen to Kiss. And he said, whoa, okay, well, here we go. Here's a whole chapter dedicated to Kiss. Son, do you know what a love gun is? You know, <laughs> and it, it totally enlightened me to all this stuff. And so then I, like, immediately after that was over, I ran home. You know, and pulled those records down off the top of my closet and pulled out the record player and started listening to them again and basically evolved into this crazy thing I am now today. But, you know, without that, it was kind of an enlightening moment. So that songs like this at that age, you know, because then it was right after that, then it was like, Uncle Bruce, where can I get more of these Kiss records? Where can I get more of them Ozzy albums? Where can I have some of your Ted Nugent? You know, can I have some of your Blue Oyster Cult? Can I have, you know, Motley Crue, you know, and all these bands? And Motorhead, he was like, take these and check them out. And it was a song like this that I, it was one of those things where it's like, you know what? Everybody's got their own thing to do. If there's anything to learn from the Bible, it's the simplest thing. If you want to be treated good, treat other people that good. If you want to be rewarded, do good things. If you do good, the universe has a way, whatever you want to call it. If it's God, if it's Buddha, if it's Muhammad, whatever it is, the universe has a way of giving good back to you. Now you go around doing shady, underhanded dealings, expect more of the same. And that's something I get out of this song. You don't need religion to understand that. All you need to do is live a good rock and roll lifestyle and be good to the people you know that you come in contact with, and everything's going to be good, and it's going to come back to you every time. I learned that from Motorhead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, alrighty. Well, I knew you were a saint worshiper when I found out you were a fan of Only Kid Joe. Did uh, you just <laughs> you played what I just said backwards, didn't you? Yum 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 yum. Goddamn uh, devil. <laughs> uh, no, I love this fucking song. It's my third favorite song on the album. And what I like about it though is it's not like just because it says I don't need no religion. It's not like worship saint. Because I, th I think that's so silly. You know, it's like, it's like, how, you know, you have to believe in God to believe in Satan. You know, that kind of thing. And he's just saying, I don't need any of that bullshit. You know, I'm responsible for me. And that's what I love about this. And anybody who listens to this show knows, I don't believe in any of that fucking voodoo kind of shit. You know, any of it. Any of it. So, that's what I love about this. I'm responsible for me. For my actions, for my decisions, for how I treat people, it all comes back to me. You don't and, need no money. Yeah. You don't need no fame. No. <laughs> oh, God. Really? We got to go to the elder? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I love it. And I think it's a, it's a very positive thing because it's telling you, like, if you question this shit, it doesn't make you evil. It doesn't make you bad. You're just... I don't know, open up a science book, maybe? I don't know. I, I, I love it, and I love his his outlook on this. And to me, it's the perfect way to do it. You know, it's like, you don't counteract something by going the opposite way. Like, oh, I don't believe in God, so I worship Satan. No, he's just like, all of it's bullshit to me. I'm going to do right by me. I'm going to do me, and I love it. I don't need any of your fucking dogma, any of your bullshit. And I think it's a classic song. And to me, it has a very positive message. I mean, not only because that's what I believe, but it says, hey, you know, just, you don't have to agree with me 
But I don't I don't need this, you know? So if you Is it because you have to piss so bad? Because that's the problem I'm having right no, now. No, no, no. You can go pee while I'm talking here. I'm trying to figure okay, out what well, I'm trying to Try not to be rude and be like, hey, I'm back. Oh, we didn't oh, oh dude, every time you talked, yeah, I'm pissing. I, oh. every time right. you I'll talked, I went and took a piss. But <laughs> but uh, what, I, what I was trying to get at is uh, you, know, you don't have to believe in this shit. And just because you don't believe in it doesn't make you bad. Uh, you know, just do you and don't hurt nobody. And nobody holds me up to a standard other than me. Like, I hold myself up to my own standard. Be nice to people. Don't fuck over people. You know, unless you don't like them. But, uh, you know, just do you and don't worry about all this other bullshit that people throw on you. So that's my opinion of don't need no religion. Uh, Why don't you take the next one? All right, the next one is Bang to Rights. Uh, oh, my God. This is filler of filler. But the, the sad thing is, I think this was a completed song. I just don't think it's a good song. And I think Don't Need Religion should have been uh, the last track. I don't know why this made the album. I, I don't think it stands up to the quality of the rest of it. Not only lyrically, but musically. Uh, I don't hate it, but it, it just it comes nowhere near the rest of the album. And uh, what was a B-side on this, I think, should have been on the album. Not necessarily ended it, but should have been on the album. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, um, no, I like it. I, I don't think it's... Uh, really? Yeah, you know, I, I would put it above uh, Shut It Down. Wow, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think it's a bad song at all. I think it's a good closer. Um, another positive type thing, bang to rights. It's kind of like a don't don't let them grind you down type tune um, with a positive message. And uh, I don't know. I think it's a slamming song. I think the song is short to the point, kick ass. I dig it. I think bang to rights is a cool song. Good way to end the album. What do you think, uh, Aaron? I think it's a good song. I think it's pretty good. Um... It's it's good classic Motorhead. There ain't nothing bad about it, but there's not nothing really outstanding about it. I would have ended the album with "Don't Let Them Grind You Down" just to have that good punch at the end. But otherwise, no complaints. All right. Well, that's the end of the album. You guys know the bonus tracks. Uh, well, I do know the uh, like the bonus track. I mean, depending on what version you got, there's there's some studio outtakes, there's some different versions, there's some live shit. But the true bonus track would be the B-side to, uh, to Iron Fist, which is... Uh, uh, Was it Remember Me, I'm Gone? Yes, Remember Me, I'm Gone. Um, I like this song. I think it should have been on the album. Uh, I, I think it's way better than uh, Bang to Rights. And, uh, but I don't think it should have ended the album. To me, it should have ended with Don't Need No Religion. But... Uh, but I think it's stronger than, you know, some of the songs. You know, we'll talk about it when it's done, what songs we thought were unfinished. But uh, I think it should have been on there, but not the closer. What do you think, Rob? Uh, first time I ever heard this song, I, I didn't realize it was a B-side. Um, I mean, a B-side Iron Fist. But uh, I, I bought a CD in the 80s called From the Vaults. 
where it's a bunch of like you know it does have you know please don't touch i bought it because it has the stand by your man uh with wendy o and also has too late too late like a bunch of uh, live versions and this was on there as well and i was like oh you know this is, this is a good fucking song you know um i dig it it's 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 classic motorhead i would put it above shut it down definitely i i, I would trade i would make shut it down the the, the b-side and this one, uh, an album track. Um, I dig it. Do you know this one, Aaron? I'm not real familiar with it, but you mentioned that one, uh, Stand By Your Man with Wendy O. Williams. That was one of the uh, the final straws that were pulled for Fast Eddie Clark because I know he wasn't happy with the fact that Lemmy was doing that yeah. with them. And it was such a lame song, you know, and it was, it was like a joke. And I think... Fast Eddie Clark thought like you're making a making a joke out of us by teaming up with this crazy bitch with the mohawk and her tits hanging out with tape over the nipples and making this stupid song you know I think it's hurting us and Lemmy said the dude quit the band like every other week and that was just the one time he just didn't come back yeah that's that's the story was that was the song that was the last straw he, he left after that he was so disgusted that that's what made Eddie leave, leave the band was that song and, and that's then, kind of that's kind of the story of this album because this is the the final piece of what I think most people would consider the classic lineup of Motorhead was the three piece, you know. And Filthy Animal Taylor, you know, did he this this album he is killer on, you know. I just for him too, I wish the production was a little bit better, you know, because his performance on this album, we've talked about Lemmy and his bass playing and how great it was on here. And Fast Eddie Clark, even though he kind of buried himself in the production, his guitar playing is top-notch. I love Fast Eddie Clark, even the stuff he went on and did with Fastway. I'm a big fan of that band, too. But this overall is a pretty kick-ass album. Production, not so great, but overall, you got to love it. You got to love it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, any closing things on this, uh, Ian? Well, yeah, it, this was released April 17, 1982. Produced by uh, Fast Eddie Clark, and uh, he's got a nice name here, uh, Will Reed Dick. Uh, so a lot of people say, like, you know, it's a little bit of Eddie, but mostly uh, Will Reed Dick. Uh, but, yeah, you know, uh, Aaron brought up a great point about how mad uh, Fast Eddie got about recording Stand By Your Man, and his famous quote was... Uh, I don't want to do a fucking song with this no-talent fucking cunt. And, uh, you know, Lemmy said, well, how about we don't do a song with Ralph's mom? How about we just do one with Wendy Williams? <laughs> and, and, and Fast Eddie Clark said, what the fuck's the difference? Exactly. But it did go to number six in the UK. And it went to, this was the first charting one in the US. It went to 174. But nowadays, with record sales, that would probably be number two. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was it was it was the end of an era. I, I, I still love it. I, I do believe that Another Perfect Day is a stronger album overall. But uh, this is the end of an era, and I absolutely love this record. Even the songs I don't, I mean, that aren't my favorites, uh, I, I still enjoy them. And this is. My Motorhead. I, I love everything that did with Mickey D, everything that did with Phil Campbell, but this is the end of an era, and uh, absolutely love this album. 
Anybody else have a closing thought? No, I pretty much described the album, everything I had to say about it. Uh, Aaron? I love it. I uh, love it. I recommend everybody should everybody should own a copy of it. Everyone. All right. Well, well, Aaron, since you are our guest this week, we always do a pick of the week. And what is your pick of the week for our listeners that they should buy using the Decimal Geek uh, podcast Amazon link? All right, you fuckers. You gave me a hard time about it long enough, so I decided I'm coming on your show, and I'm going to play some Ugly Kid Joe. <laughs> ah, nice. Nice. I've waited so long. This is this is the whole reason I did your show was just for this moment. <laughs> so wait no longer. Right here on this show, who you guys you guys don't appreciate the ugly kid Joe, but I'm gonna teach you something right here, right now. This one came off their very latest album. It's called Uglier Than They Used to Be. It kicks ass. The whole thing is really good. You really ought to give it a try. I know you guys don't want to, but you really should. But maybe this will convince you. It's a tune called My Old Man. Wait, wait. We don't play songs on this, dude. You don't? What am I supposed to say? <laughs> uh, you pick an album. Oh. You just pick an album. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Fuck, man, hey, Ace Fraley, 1978 solo album. <laughs> Turn that fucker up, man. Well, Aaron, uh, since you mentioned Ace Fraley, 78 solo album, this is Snowblind. Just kidding. We're not. Just kidding. Just Play kidding. music on this show. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. I was just kidding. We do. We no, pick of the week. We just pick an album. Okay, then I get two. <laughs> All right, well, now pick a good album. <laughs> Another, so I got to pick a third one? Okay, um, off the top of my head. Hey, have you ever heard of the band called Pariah? Uh, No. Is it with a girl singer? No. No, no, it was it was a dude singer. They were from Texas. They only released one album. It was called To Mock a Killing Bird. And it's fucking awesome. And nobody's ever heard of it. But it's my life duty, along, them along with Hair of the Dog, to get the word out about these bands. So check out Pariah or Hair of the Dog. Whatever you guys decide to do. I don't can, care. Can people get Pariah using the, uh, the Decimal Geek uh, Amazon link? Fuck, man. Everything's on Amazon. If they want to buy a kiss casket or a yacht... <laughs> Or an airplane through the decibelgeek.com uh, link. Please, please do. Everything's on Amazon. You know that. And uh, if, if anybody doesn't like Motorhead, you can also buy an Amazon a clue. <laughs> All right, Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? Amazon is how I met Kathy Wadley. I just ordered oh, a box oh. and I put an air hose to her and blew her up, and there she was. Free shipping. Looks just fucking like her. It's it's gorgeous. Lemmy approved. <laughs> Ralph, do you have a pick of the week? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I want to, you know, look, I think this is like, this is a first. I'm going to actually pick a, like a greatest hits type thing. But I, I think it's a, it's an excellent way to, to discover a band. Like anybody that's listening to this probably loves this band anyway. But just in case, somebody out there never gave the Ramones a chance, um, pick up Ramones Mania. Because uh, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, I've been into the Ramones since like the day, first time I heard uh, Teenage Lobotomy on the Over the Edge soundtrack, I became, I hooked. And, you know, I bought all the albums back then. I'm talking about late 70s, I got into them. And, uh, you know, I bought, I, I was, I can't say I'm like the biggest diehard Ramones fan, but I did buy everything they released. I did see them over, I'd seen them 27 times. I did the math the other day. Uh, nice. I guess you could say I'm a big fan, but. Somebody was telling me the other day how they discovered the Ramones and they're a big Ramones fan because of 
Ramones Mania. Now, I have Ramones Mania on CD that I don't think I've ever listened to, like maybe more than once, because I already know all those songs, but I did take it out, you know, and look at the track listing, and I thought, man, this is would be the track listing I would use. Yeah, there's a couple, you know, songs missing, but as a whole, if you want to know how amazing the Ramones were, Ramones Mania is the way to go. Uh, released in 88, I think, and uh, oh my God, it's a great, great, one of the best, because mostly greatest hits doesn't have like the songs I love. This one, I say like maybe 10% is missing of like real, some of my favorite songs, but most of my favorite Ramones songs are on Ramones Mania because basically Ramones weren't a band that had hits. Yeah, you knew your rock and roll high school and, you know, uh, you know, I want to be sedated and Blitzkrieg Bop, but, you know, you get Blitzkrieg, uh, Bonzo goes to Blitzkrieg on here and, uh, you know, somebody puts something in my drink and Animal Boy and Mama's Boy. And, uh, I, I highly recommend Ramones Mania. Get that one. All right. Well, my pick of the week, uh, since I knew we were having Aaron Kamara on here and this guy... Loves the cock. I had to pick a cock rock album, and uh, and and this is a band that really you really can't call them cock rock, but they got lumped in with them unfairly. But I think this is a standout album. Uh, this is the third studio album by Cinderella called Heartbreak Station, and oh, yeah. I love this fucking album. It's definitely uh, you know bluesy rock, you know, but I'm. I'm the Izzy Stradlin guy. I like that kind of shit. You know, it's got the more things changed. Love got me doing time. Shelter me. You know, the title track. Sick for the Cure. To me, it's a great, great fucking album. And uh, Cinderella is a very underrated band. I mean, unfortunately, they picked the name Cinderella. <laughs> you know, but they are an amazing rock band. And if you just like good hard rock and bluesy rock, Check out their third album, Heartbreak Station, by Cinderella. That is my pick of the week. Yeah, you're right about that. Cinderella is kind of a suck-ass name when you think about it. Oh, yeah, that ain't good. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, before we get into the plugs, and we're going to play your plug anyway, but Aaron, please tell people, like, if they're not, like, totally sick of you now, tell them how they can hear your luxurious voice again. What do you mean totally sick of me by now? What does that mean? Uh, do you like, you're, like like your combat <laughs> listeners are some kind of kind of better than what listens to my show? Is that what this is? Well, of course. Hey, 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 hey. Right. Well, they're, you know, they're 14 for years old. Don't don't hurt their feelings. <laughs> for, for exquisite taste. If you guys want to lower lower your expectations for a minute, no. But uh, hey, 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 you say I that think, like it's a bad thing. <laughs> no, I've had a great time with you guys today. I'm glad I finally had the time to do it. You guys know me. I'm Aaron Camaro. I do Decibel Geek with Chris and Zach. If you don't know it, Google it. Look it up. It's on YouTube. It's on Instagram. It's on iTunes. It's it's everywhere that a podcast could possibly fucking be. It might be up the road. You know, look look down the sidewalk a little bit. We might be there. Tell somebody about it. If you love hard rock and classic metal. Just help us, just like these guys. Get the word out, you know. Podcasting is something that 
not a lot of the average people even know about. You know, Ian and I joke about, you know, not knowing what a podcast was when we first started our, you know, respective shows with our respective co-hosts. But still to this day, you know, it was five years ago that Decibel Geek Podcast started. Still to this day, there's people out there that have no fucking clue what a podcast even is. You could be helping somebody's life. There's so many people out there that have boring fucking jobs that they just want to, like, stare at the clock all day. But they don't have to stare at the clock. They could be listening to Raul and 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 Vinny, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On this show, every single week, and enjoying it, just like our show, just like so many podcasts out there, you know, spread the love. Give somebody something to live for. It could be rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into the rest of the plugs. Podbean. Check us out on Podbean, our home, uh, our main page, where there's links to everything, where you get every episode every Sunday morning. Go on there, you know, follow us. Uh, subscribe, whatever the fuck it is. Leave comments. You can leave, if you join up, you can uh, follow us, leave comments on the episodes. Uh, I love that kind of shit. Also, check us out on iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. That way you get every episode. And also leave a review. You leave a review, we're going to read that shit on the air and make you famous because people all over the world listen to this shit and they will hear your name and hear your review. So be funny and give us five fucking stars. Also, check us out on that metal station where you can hear us twice a week. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. All right, while you're still on that metal station, check out a friend of ours, a big fan of the show, Mike Tyler, has two shows. One on Tuesday that is strictly thrash, and another one that, on Friday that just plays everything. Earpeeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists, and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Yeah. 
Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sims Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Hello, this is Lee Gerstman, and I listen to a show called Wadzilla Rock. It's on a station called ThatMetalStation.com. I love the show. Ian Wadley does music, heavy rock from when I was younger up until now, and he's got an extensive bunch of cool shit that he plays. And I love humping my dog in memory to those tunes. Check it out on Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Wadzilla Rock on thatmetalstation.com. Thank you. Hey, 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 it's me, Bill Wang. Make sure you listen to the Dr. Fuck Show Thursdays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And, of course, the replay Sundays, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on thatmetalstation.com. Biddle-diddle. Oh, yeah, I fucked up. Bam! All right, well, I almost forgot about Fan of the Week, and I feel bad about doing this shit. Because oh. this guy got fan of the week not too long ago, but he did something so awesome. He gets it twice. And that is Hunter D.T. Tutenberg. I always call this motherfucker Steve Gutenberg. But this guy went on Wikipedia and totally changed Sammy Hagar's Wikipedia page. <laughs> I heard about this. You heard about this? <laughs> he called him a homosexual... Not that I have anything against gays, but he goes, Oh, so after he got done fucking up Montrose, he fucked up Van Halen and just totally slammed Sammy Hagar. But like, this, this, Sammy stuff, right? Yeah, this, this shit, <laughs> this shit went up online and then he even sent me a copy of the letter he got from Wikipedia going, uh, this can't be proven. But I beg to differ. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he totally changed Hagar's Wikipedia page for a day, and that is the best prank. I mean, we have we have friends and fans of the show that all hate Sammy Hagar, and I appreciate that. But this guy took the extra step and <laughs> did that, and that is amazing. Fuck Sammy Hagar and Steve Gutenberg once again. You are our fan of the week. Thank you. All right. 
taking it to a whole new level there. A That's whole awesome. new level. A whole new level. <laughs> That's graffiti everyone can appreciate. Exactly. All right, so we'll cut there. All right, well, if you enjoyed this fucking fun-filled episode, and we know you did, come back next week for a scary episode because it's filled with ghosts. The ghost of Prince comes back to review the ghost of Lemmy when the artist formerly known as Prince talks about Motorheads, Another Perfect Day. Wow. Yeah. We're doing two Motorhead reviews in a row. I know, but... One one with a dead person and another one with the spirit of Prince. There you go. Just a joke, Aaron! That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.